In this episode of Himal Interviews, our editor Anuhita Mojumdar speaks to Pakistani writer and researcher Annie Zaman. Zaman talks about being denied entry to India for an academic conference, which she was planning to share findings on a subject that, ironically enough, has been raised by Prime Minister Narendra Modi himself. What led to this turn of events and what was Zaman planning to talk about? Uh, Annie Zaman, thanks for joining us from Lahore on this podcast. You've been in the news recently because you have been prevented from joining an international conference in India. Can you tell us briefly what the conference was about and the circumstances that are preventing your participation? Uh, thank you, Anahita. Uh, the conference uh, which was uh, which I was planning to attend was organized uh, co-organized by the Association for Asian Studies and their local partners in India in Delhi uh, Ashoka University, and it's uh, going to be held uh, from July fifth to eighth at New Delhi. Um, and uh, this is like a regular, you know, um, as in Asia conference and where members and other interested in Asian studies, they are able to, who are unable to attend the annual conference, which is usually held uh, every year in North America, they get the opportunity to uh, participate in panel sessions and network with colleagues in a more intimate setting. And I applied uh, for this um, one of the panels uh, with uh, two or three of my other colleagues who are Indian. And... Uh, I registered as an early bird back in uh, Feb and uh, everything went smooth and my um, paper was also accepted. I got to know um, in my uh, early May from the organizers that uh, they feared that Indian um, embassies, they mentioned, that embassies won't be able to issue visa to any Pakistani. And uh, looking at the current political uh, atmosphere uh, and the issues between India and Pakistan, I was not much uh, surprised. So I kept my quiet. I was like, okay, fine, you know, because I didn't see they mentioning that they had any orders or um, any like, clear orders by the Ministry of External Affairs until quite recently, last week, uh, one of um, the co-panelists and a journalist from India approached me uh, via Twitter asking me that, um, do I know about any um, political clearance letter from the uh, Ministry of External Affairs that gave like um, explicit instructions uh, to the um, organizers of this uh, conference. And apparently, you know, I have seen the letter as well that um, Ministry of External Affairs have, uh, they have given directions to the organizers with the subject that uh, uh, all the participants actually need political clearance for organizing this um, conference. And there's one point which very specifically uh, it's a uh, point number four, uh, which states that kindly note this ministry does not recommend participation from Pakistan in the proposed event. So uh, that's quite shocking that uh, on one hand, there are uh, 71 uh, musicians uh, who visited recently Kolkata and they got visas. And then the PCB officials, Pakistan Cricket Board, they were also in India and they had no issues getting their visas. But for academics and scholars, this kind of very uh, explicit kind of statement has been given that they don't recommend any kind of exchange of ideas between India and Pakistan. That's really uh, unfortunate and uh, a setback, I think, to the relationship between the two countries. But uh, why do you think academics and scholars are being singled out for this kind of uh, restriction? I'm also quite amazed. Um, 
after you know talking to uh, different like many friends who work um, between peace between india and pakistan aman ki aasha and uh, in on pakistan side we have always been very positive about like uh, our friends in india although we have been hearing things how things are going on a bad side in india in this government and there are some bans and uh, progressive uh, movements are snubbed and we have been following very uh, uh, closely the jnu uh, struggles you know our comrades what they are doing there so i think there's overall there is an intention to uh, curb any kind of exchange and ideas within india as well i'm sure the indian academics and scholars would have more to say about it so i think there's a general trend on indian side overall and we are just kind of uh, i sadly and the only uh, participant who registered for this conference we just got rubbed in that whole thing right uh, of course uh, they have singled out only the pakistani uh, participant uh, so they are al- allowing the exchange of ideas with other countries uh, but since you have been prevented from uh, joining the conference we thought it would be a good idea if you could talk to us a little bit about what you were going to speak about at the conference so that we can share it more widely online at least uh, since you cannot be at the conference in person Oh thank you so much for giving me that opportunity. Um so our panel basically um seeks to uh, ethnographically and historically reimagine geographies through the lens of effect. So basically we wanted to know uh, there are like four different uh, panelists that what are the effective properties of spaces, how does the effect of space shape the way geographies are understood, mapped and experienced. So in my uh, because my expertise um as you uh, may know my global voices background that uh, is more about like social media so um, my um, uh, research paper is uh, about um, balochistan uh, in pakistan and uh, effect of social media so at a time when our most intimate relationships are uh, conducted and displayed on social media so uh, it is not very surprises surprising that um, platforms like twitter are increasingly adopted for political purposes and there uh, the my uh, research it talks about displaced uh, and persecuted people uh, of balochistan because uh, what we have uh, i've seen through my research and uh, observation that um, these displaced or persecuted people can build online communities of common political effect uh, whereby you know the feeling of loss struggle and heroism serve to reframe geographies of protest and Uh, it can reconceptualize political borders and if you look at balochistan in present day balochistan uh, in present day pakistan it's a contested uh, geographical and political entity and it constitutes the country's largest you know um, province uh, in terms of uh, area geographical area so uh, in uh, if the let me tell you a little bit about balochistan's um, uh, background it has seen a number of uh, violent movements for succession from the pakistan state and that has led to a migration of ethnically you know bloch people to europe to uh, the united states and uh, to australia and some leaders uh, big names you know are uh, of the bloch successionist successionist movement they are not living in pakistan they are living outside the political territory of pakistan so what happens there is that social media has not only connected these baloch in the diaspora but it has also um, been very uh, instrumental in generating um, effective political narratives of a lost homeland persecution 
and struggle for freedom, victimhood, and heroism. So Balochistan is, you know, um, very interesting in this uh, case that it is, you know, um, it's reimagined, you know, through these shared effective registers. And they are creating a sense of Balochistan outside the geographical boundaries of Pakistan, you know, this uh, political entity, you know, what Pakistan is today. But social media is giving them that opportunity to create an other boundary. And while Baloch dissidents have built very effective uh, political narratives through social media, and uh, it's not only them, the Pakistan state or state here, when we talk about Pakistan state, we talk about Pakistan military. And they have created, you know, its own effective narrative as well uh, through social media, through mainly Twitter, by uh, stalking emotions of patriotism and, you know, love of land, again, you know, uh, and religion and piety and victimhood. And so what we see, what I see in this research is that these forms of political effect serve to re-entrench the geography of Balochistan as an essential part of Pakistan. And my paper has actually examined that uh, how the, there's a proliferation of social media through all this, you know. Um, I have uh, extensively looked into accounts of um, these Baloch nationalist leaders who are living uh, abroad and have, uh, and the DGISPR uh, and ISPR uh, accounts who are like pro-Pakistan. And there are many uh, um, politicians as well as journalists who are pro-Baloch uh, um, movement or anti, you know, or pro-establishment. So after seeing that, I've noticed that these are like clearly the proliferation of social media and it has altered geographies by uh, transcending physical borders. And it has given birth to virtual geographical identities. And uh, this, uh, it also focuses that how the, um, how has the dissemination of political effect through social media has forced states, um, in this case, Pakistani state and elected and sitting governments and their uh, spy agencies as well to alter their strategies and actions that how to, you know, handle. So it's very interesting at, uh, as a researcher for me to look at uh, Balochistan's case. Uh, that how social media has altered the whole discussion. Can you t tell us a little bit about the uh, diaspora that you speak of and uh, how large is this diaspora as well as how do you think these uh, narratives being constructed by them are actually intersecting with what's happening on the ground uh, in Balochistan as well as the protests and activism that is happening there. So, for example, if you look um, from Braham Bukhti, who's like um, related to uh, one of the uh, the tribe, big tribe leaders, uh, Bukhti, who was assassinated by uh, Dadan military dictator General Pervez Musharraf, which led to the new uh, successionist movement uh, in the 21st century. Earlier, we have seen many in the last century. So uh, he is based in um, uh, he's based out uh, of Switzerland, and uh, he and their other, you know, uh, uh, Baloch leaders uh, of their tribe, some are in London. Mainly, I, I, I will talk to you, I will tell you about Brahamda's case. So he uses uh, his social media account, Twitter, very um, extensively. And um, there's so many followers, there's so many Baloch over the years who have migrated, A, due to uh, polit uh, military um, there's so many military actions which have taken place in Balochistan. Can you tell us uh, briefly uh, what uh, kind of actions these have been? Uh, there are uh, 
proper military actions that there are villages or villages which we, which don't get reported and they are being you know displaced they are a military pakistani military has used bombs they have used missiles and what not on uh, uh, these people and in this struggle you know uh, many um, political leaders as well as the, the successionist movement has gone to a very uh, other level it's no more the tribe leadership who has taken now the lead now it's uh, people like for example uh, dr alan nazar who is um, is a doctor you know uh, <laughs> a medical doctor who has taken weapons in his hand and uh, there is a common phrase which people say that in urdu that they have gone pahado pe chale gaye so they have taken you know weapon and they have also taken weapon against the pakistani uh, in pakistan and they want a uh, free and independent balochistan how large is this uh, diaspora and how is the narrative they are constructing impacting on the people within uh, the province yeah so um, let me get back to it that how large since we don't have any clear figures that how, what is the number we never get any kind of like a number with the census that how many um, people are there what we look at it through how many accounts are there for example how many big leaders are there in balochistan's case it's not only the baloch baloch there's another angle to it is also um, there's an ethnic minority living in balochistan uh, which is uh, called uh, hazara hazaras and they are also uh, persecuted they have also le- left the country in huge numbers and they are mainly in uh, norway finland and australia so one is baloch who have migrated so it's a big diaspora and the other is uh, hazara community and i think roughly they make now in baloch and within also there's internally displaced within pakistan there's also a uh, migration has happened there are big big colonies which have uh, baloch colonies um, which have come out near islamabad or lahore or in karachi there are a large number of baloch who have migrated and there are very less population left i think in this elections we'll get to know through a little estimate through the number of people who would vote balochistan tradition earlier as well there's not much population in the it's a biggest province by uh, area it's a large largest in pakistan but by numbers it's very little because we have very few seats uh, uh, constituencies there uh, but i can't tell exact number or percentage how many how big is the diaspora but the conversation or narrative of independent balochistan the voices are coming from outside it's not from within the country the people for example let me tell you uh, one uh, example that uh, in 2009 i uh, did reporting from balochistan and the people for example if there were 10 people i have talked to that time from a uh, baloch activist uh, intelligentsia uh, from civil society out of 10 there is not one person who still living in balochistan at the moment a either they are killed b they have left the country or they have gone underground so this is the stark reality of balochistan I was actually going to ask you about that because uh, Balochistan is something that the Pakistani state seems to be extremely sensitive about and uh, apart from the fact that you've been prevented from coming to India and uh, talking about this by the Indian state I think your reporting on Balochistan within Pakistan also carries a lot of uh, risks does it not uh, it certainly uh, does um and but in today's pakistan it's like 10 years ago it was only balochistan for journalist or for rights activist it was a biggest thing but at the moment we have so many other issues that we can't even talk about 
freedom of expression, uh, even in uh, the big, um, in a province like Punjab, for example, like what's happening, the political scenario right now. So we are caught up in a very um, interesting situation that we, that the biggest and influential province here in today's like Pakistan elections are coming. Uh, there's so many curbs and media is controlled at the moment. And even like, uh, they're not even scholarly papers coming out about Balochistan because Balochistan over the years have become a secondary issue. There's so many other issues at the moment for everyone. Like last year, um, the bloggers were picked up, were Punjabis. They were not Baloch. So it's so unexpected for uh, people uh, in Pakistan that, okay, now, uh, the whoever it is behind, we are not even, at times we don't even take the names who's behind it. So uh, Baloch, no one talks about. There's oneness curve from of this curve and people have seen repercussions, whoever talks about Balochistan gets picked up very easily, being inter interrogated, or like if you're Baloch, you're being picked up. So there's this general, you know, silence about the Lord issue at the moment and no one is talking about it. Well, all the more power to you for speaking about such difficult issues. We are going to bring this to a close today, but we would uh, really like you to write for us about these issues so that they have a larger platform and a larger voice uh, while making sure that you are keeping yourself safe. And I hope what you were speaking about, the reconceptualization of political borders through the online media and the social media is something that we all can work together on. So thank you very much, Anizaman, for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Mm -hmm.